Peace, peace, peace. I am Philip Roundtree, Dr. Philip Roundtree, and you are tuned into episode 63 of Hashtag You Good Man. As always, I'm joined by the good brother Michael Olenek, and today we have a... We always have a serious conversation, or we try to have a serious conversation, but we try to mix in some some humor, uh, um, some just just add some what is, is it exactly a little a little a little bit of levity as we as we have these conversations because I always get I always throw levity and brevity together. So anytime I'm about to say levity, I always Google. That's one of my things that I do. Where if I I may have used the word a thousand times in like the last three weeks but i'm like okay am i using it right and we're gonna blame that on, on white supremacy right <laughs> instead of just going with the flow because even if it's not accurate who cares right it doesn't necessarily matter uh but yeah today we are having a a serious conversation about the the killing of of o'shea sibley if you're not familiar with the o'shea o'shea sibley murder he was a 28 year old black gay man which is important in this conversation because all the news outlets that I saw when I was gathering information for this podcast, it said a 28 year old gay man, but his, his race slash ethnicity is so critical in this conversation. So it, it, it can't be understated how important it is on July 29th. He was stabbed and later died as a result of an incident outside of a mobile gas station in Midwood, Brooklyn, New York, which unfolded when he and his friends were confronted by a group of individuals for playing Beyonce music and voguing. The suspect accused of the stabbing was identified as a 17 year old. Of course, his identity is being withheld because he is a minor, even though that'll change because he is being charged as an adult. He turned himself into police custody on August 4th, 2023, and was later charged with second degree murder as a hate crime. So, Mike, when you heard about the killing of, of O'Shea Sibley, what was your initial reaction? I mean, like a gut drop, man. Hmm. Anytime I hear, like anytime I hear about anyone being killed, yeah, it's not good. But when I hear that a member of the LGBTQ plus community has been murdered simply for being themselves, right? Expressing joy, dancing. Um, that rocks me, man. I carry that. I feel that. Um, being a member of that community myself, like, it just reminds you that there isn't as much safety as we claim there is. And there's the least amount of safety for, like, black, indigenous, queer members of our community right hmm. it's their numbers statistically they they bear the burden of the most violent acts at this point if you look at black yeah. trans women they're sitting at the highest point of that i mean it's it's just it never feels better right it, it, this the sting of that doesn't reduce for me the sting yeah. is always the same yeah yeah i i think for me of course, my thoughts are, are with O'Shea Sibley and, and his family who are from Philadelphia. That's where it, it also hits because with Zane, who's been on this podcast, right, with, with you and I, he is a, a, a member of, of Philadanko and danced with Philadanko for a long period of time, as did 
O'Shea Sibley. And so they, they are having a, a, a memorial for him and to, to try and raise funds to, to donate to the family. But the fact that this national story hits home like that, it's it's sobering. It's sobering when I when I see his father and I didn't watch the entire interview, but to see his father on Good Day Philadelphia, Fox 29 here in Philadelphia, talking about his his late son as a as a parent. I can only imagine what that feels like and the hurt and the grief and, and the pain and the anger and rage, which are all healthy emotions, given the situation, just about what he's experienced and the family has experienced during this time. But I, but I will say, for me, it was, it was short lived. It was short lived. This because again, I thought about, I thought about O'Shea Sibley, but then it immediately went to this seventeen-year-old because O'Shea Sibley was just being O'Shea Sibley. O'Shea Sibley was doing nothing wrong, right? Living his life, exhibiting a black person joy living life with his with his friends taking up for his friends when when accosted by these individuals attempting to defuse the situation as it's been reported and so for for this 17 year old and these group of of boys to engage in in violence physical violence not just hurling the 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 homophobic remarks towards them but then physically assaulting them it was just like it felt like a community failure. That's exactly what I felt. I, I felt like the community has failed everybody involved, especially in, when I say community, I'm talking about black folk. Because it, it, it again, it, it, it stings, right? It, it, it stings. It, it hits different because you're like, well, what did he I automatically go to this? The therapist in me. Well, what was his upbringing life? I know what the external influences look like. I know what the music looks like. I know what the, the religion, because there was some conversation about religion that was, um, that was supposedly talked about in the midst of their interactions where somebody in the group said it's disrespectful to, to, to Muslims or, or something like that. And their Muslim turns out the 17 year old is actually Christian. Then I started thinking about this idea of, of peer pressure. What if he didn't want to engage in that bat and in, in that fight? But he felt compelled to based off the, the, the peers that he was around. So a lot of those thoughts. And again, I won't have answers to that. I'm sure more information will come out because, of course, they're going to bring up his background, his upbringing, because that's what happens when when black boys slash black men, black persons into the, the legal system. It's not necessarily brought up to to understand. It's, it's brought up in a way to, to further vilify. So those were that was my my initial reaction. It was just it was just a damn. It was a damn so so unnecessary. Yeah, and I totally get that. Like I sent you right before we recorded this when I read that he's being charged as an adult. I'm like, there's no winners here, man. That ain't, yeah, we call that justice, but it's just another derailed life. And at the same time, like I too thought of whoever the attacker was when it first happened, because I know 
what we have here is we have like masculinity is at the center of this, right? And perceived understandings of what makes someone masculine, what represents manhood. And this kid saw O'Shea's freedom in expressing himself and dancing and being like vulnerable and soft in that way as a threat to whatever version of manhood or masculinity he thought he should believe in. But like you said, peer pressure, we don't even know if this kid really attached to it. And really at the end of the day, I don't care who you are. If you haven't had the awareness yet to revisit what you believe, you're just lost in parroting patriarchy and like being afraid of O'Shea. Yeah. What, if we look at this, if we really just look at it, if I saw a person dancing, I personally would feel no threat. If anything, I'd probably feel somewhat better about it. They're expressing like themselves. They're, they're free in their movement. They have, they probably have some kind of emotional understanding of who they are. They have some sense of confidence in their skills and their beliefs. But for this 17 year old kid, all he sees is that softness all. And then he can attach that to the easy target of, the guy's gay so that's we can beat that down yeah that's that's all i need to attack and i i do think like we need to see that we haven't completely left the 90s in the past like homophobia is still very strong and the idea of being perceived as gay as a man will put you in danger yeah this happened in new york this didn't happen in Bible country, right? Happened in New York. So I think we, that's the other thing I think that we need to see in this is it isn't as safe as allies want to believe it is. It yeah. ain't. And, and I think the idea of, of a gay black man, right? Cause in, 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 in the black community, again, we talk about this idea of a patriarchy and masculinity, the influence of hip hop culture, Growing up as a as a black boy now black man, the worst thing you could be called was gay. Would be called uh, the f word because that's that's challenging your mask. You didn't want to be that. You didn't want to be that other. You wanted to be in, and so that hasn't gone away. I've had conversations in my text messages with a, a homie of mine who I love like a brother. Talking about talking about trans folk, not understanding trans folk. And it's just like, well, what is it to you? And but I think it's it becomes what is it to you? And it's always the low hanging fruit of what about the children? The children are the future. Teach them well and let them lead the way as if that's going to influence. Someone's uh, sexual identity is going to influence this child in some form or fashion when it comes to to sexual abuse we know that it's usually a family member it's not somebody of the lgbtq plus community that's going to harm a child but these ideas that permeate because they're passed down generally generationally yeah, they're absolutely. talked about and they're talked about in the different in the different environments where where folk are again religion in the articles that I've read, religion, this idea of, of they brought up Muslim and Islam. Now, that may be erroneous, 
But the mere fact of religion being injected in this situation, we can speak to how how no matter how this this idea of love and unity is preached, what's also preached is is, is damnation. How it's preached to, to, to be a sin, how you how you live your life. So it's automatically starting individuals out as a, from a deficit. Hell, we say we're born into sin. Like, like, think about just the, 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 the negativity that we're, we're born into and just the ideas that influence that impacts how we how we're how we're nurtured, which impacts us as we're growing up, impacting this potentially this teenage boy. And how he views and sees the world. Yeah, and we like, listen, not only do we have the societal narratives that push fear of the LGBTQ plus community because we absolutely have those but we need to highlight both that yes O'Shea Sibley was murdered for being a gay black man like there's nothing we can't get past that he was murdered for being a gay black man but at the same time I don't think the fear is necessarily just because he was gay or just because he was black. I think the fear is in seeing someone living that authentically and free. I don't hmm. think religious zealots get as caught up in it because of the religion. I again think it's this threat that occurs at a real human level of seeing another human being attaining a level of freedom of self-expression that you can't even begin to sniff. Like, I love being queer. And I love being queer because of how I've been able to build me in my own image. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I am authentically me. And I'm continually trying to pursue that. And I think the threat that that puts in other people's brains when they see that kind of self-realization, they don't know what to do. And then you add in the hate fuel that we see in our messaging when it comes to LGBTQ people and it's going to lead to violent acts like this because yeah. you want erasure. You want it away from you. You want it to stop making you uncomfortable. That's what it is. O'Shea's existence puts pushed onto that 17-year-old in a certain way that made him so uncomfortable that he had to remove it. And, like, that's that's my big... That's where I think it lies, man. I think it lies in just a basic fear of someone else's joy. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm sitting here thinking, because I want to make sure I, I, I phrase it, what I'm thinking correctly. And I, I don't want to... In, in this situation, undoubtedly, this was the, the, the O'Shea's sexuality and his freeness and his friend's freeness definitely was a catalyst to the to the to the verbal lashing, to the, the physical violence and and subsequent killing of O'Shea. But then I'm sitting and thinking about just the brashness and just wondering If it wasn't O'Shea and his friends there, 
if it was just another group of black boys who looked at them wrong, would it still have been this idea of I have to prove my masculinity, I have to prove my that I'm that I'm down for whatever and engage in the same type of problematic behavior that will result in death. Mm. Right. And, and, and so the, again, these are just some of the things that I've, cause this doesn't, if you can, if you can kill an O'Shea, somebody that looks like you again, dancing aside, right. And, and what you, the, what we see, what we saw visually, cause what you're seeing is just another black man. Unless you unless you you don't view them as as human, which is how we've been conditioned to view not only one another, but how this this society has been conditioned to view black males. They're they're other than human. They're other. And so it's easy for him to kill an O'Shea. It'll be easy for him to kill a brother who might might have smudged his puma inside the mobile station. It just happened to be a situation that was that was unfortunately the right place and the right time for all this anger, pain and aggression to come to a head. Yeah, that's fair, man. That's fair. It that I get where you're getting at, man, cuz you're you're getting on like that the 17 year olds anger the 17 year olds want to lash out outwardly to the world is there no matter what right that's the kind of that's the that's the line you run like that kid is wired yeah if it was if it was a group of women who turned them down it it could have potentially they they're going to be called bees they're going to be called hoes especially if they're black women they're not going to be deemed as human beings and then if any type of physical violence was a result of it then that's just what it was going to be okay so then let's let's look at it this way like whether we like to admit it or not in the united states we have a caste system and there is a hierarchy of who is worth and who is not worth so if you take blackness and you add in queerness you're getting close to the bottom right that's I'm just based on statistics, man. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. On like the yeah. violence that occurs and conversation that you and I have had about the black community when it comes to like accepting like queer relatives, man. Um, so I do see what you're saying. And I do think that like being queer puts you in the hierarchy of softness in the man in the manosphere, man. <laughs> Once you throw queer in the mix, you are the softest person in that room. You are, whether a man, another man's thinking that or not, there is so much messaging that has been beaten into your head that you believe that somewhere. Yeah. So yeah. I, I do think like we can't leave that out of the discussion, but I definitely agree that. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's definitely. Yeah. Cause it, it, it just, it, it's, it makes it easier. Quote unquote. Mm. Right. There's, there's a, mm. a, if it if it was a, another group of black boys, you might get what a, a another three seconds of thought before engaging that behavior. If it was a black woman or black women, you might get five seconds of thought. If it was adult black men who who were there, uh, who were cis hetero black men, it might be another twenty seconds of thought. But because as as we talked about this this hierarchy that exists, because it is a queer black man, it's it's a it's a millisecond of thought before engaging right 
And so when we when we think about it, and again, just the more I thought about this this seventeen year old and how just related to the work that we do and this this idea of impulsivity, this this impulsivity that is that is there that exists, especially amongst amongst boys, and how that plays such a, a significant part. When and, and we know when we start bringing in things like trauma when we start bringing in things like like mental health and just the exposure of it all how that heightens the impulsivity of an individual and so we start thinking that he's being charged as an adult a 17 year old where is he at cognitively though Right. Chronologically, he's 17, which, again, these these arbitrary numbers, 18, you're an adult. Right. Like it's but even though we know that the brain is certain sectors of the brain not developed until 25. So it leads one to down this 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 road of. When especially when I talk to, to black boys. Don't fuck up too bad (laughs) because you're going to fuck up. Don't be as impulsive because the consequences based on on your chronological age, based on how you're viewed in society. We know that black folk. I remember that black girl, I believe it was in Buffalo or Rochester, New York. She was handcuffed. She was all of, of 13, 14 years of age, handcuffed, put in the car because they because she she had an outburst. But they thought she was much older than she was. So here we have him being charged as an adult for 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 a heinous crime. But none of these 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 biopsychosocial factors come in. Especially because of the melanin in his skin. Yeah, man. And that's the thing. We're holding so many, as always on this pod, we're holding a lot of problems at the same time. <laughs> like, right. It, there, we, the reason you and I get down is because we're both contextual people, man. We can't, we can't tunnel into one thing in this scenario and be like, yeah, this is the, pr-. nah, man, there's a lot going on here. When you start talking about how the, justice justice system handles youth it's that's heinous there's so many models that can be seen in europe where like people aren't tried as an adult until they're like 25 26 like they purposely work with the brain chemistry and figure out that idea of impulsivity is weighed in on this yeah so let's let's ask this question then how as a community because government ain't changing that like i I don't know when the justice system or the prison industrial complex is going to change but probably not in you and i's lifetime right uh uh, so how is the community gonna reach kids like this on so many different levels on the idea of softness on queerness on feeling like they have no power and that's why they need to act out right because I too have worked with like a lot of kids, kids of color at my last school. And like a lot of them had the same vibe of like, where's my win? There isn't one. So I'm going to make it happen. And guess what? As a therapist, I didn't try to be like, no, that's false. No, I sat with them in that. Right. So how are we, how are we going to break the generational trauma here, Phil? 
How are we going to go? <laughs> that's that's million. If I knew that, I, w- I would have all the bucks. I would be a billionaire. <laughs> they would have me in the museum, of Brooklyn Museum. <laughs> right? Um, like, like, can we reach them at the point of maybe just teaching kids to find their own joy, man? Instead of trying to get like people to connect at the level of sexuality or at the level of race can we just teach kids to be comfortable in their own skin in the school right can we begin their healthy self-esteem well i don't yeah yeah and that's where the importance of having having teachers having educators who who aren't about the you know learning for the test where they're focused on socio-emotional development but there's no money in that. When I met with the the new superintendent of the Philadelphia School District, he and it was all performative, us meeting with him. But he handed us a, a booklet of the things that he's trying to do, what he's done in his first hundred days, and his plan for the next few years. And there was a small component related to socio-emotional development. And that being my background, I asked the question and it was a, a basic answer, <laughs> nothing fully flushed out because why? Because the money is in the testing. We, we, we have to, we, 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 ha- we can't necessarily focus on, on their wellness, on their, on their development, on healthy peer interaction. Cause if we cared about that, then they would have, everybody would have recess how they would learn how to to engage with one another, negotiate their environment. When when we look at it, when do kids have healthy interaction within the school within the school day? If you've taken out recess, what when you're sitting next to your friends at lunch for twenty minutes? What gym? When when does this when does this component enter a place where they spend the bulk of their day? Where they spend the, the bulk of their formative years <laughs> in the and in the school no in the school setting. There's there's none. There's none. In my school, I was literally supposed to conduct social emotional learning. Did they put it in the schedule? Nah. Did they give me a, a classroom to do it in? Nah. What was I supposed to do? Just grab kids randomly and be like, yo, how's your mental today? And that's gonna be the <laughs> No, man, it needs to be it needs to be fully available to all kids. And the other problem is, man, who do we throw the most stuff at? The ones that are like most on the edge of like getting booted out of school or having some kind of serious, we don't, we don't know how to actually get to that kid before he's on the edge of getting booted out of school, right? We have no preventative measures, man, when it comes to social emotional learning. And I fully agree with you that that's like, as far as like a concrete thing that we could do as community members, because listen, you don't need a school for that. You need some space in your community where you can gather mentors, teachers, like where are the men? Right, Phil? Where are the men that have a certain set of skills at this point in their life to mentor young boys, man? Where they at? Can't just be you and me. (laughs) They gotta be out there, man. And, and and they are there, but then we talk about just the pushback that they get. 
I know for me, I wanted to have hashtag you good man in the Philadelphia school district. That's what I told the superintendent. I wanted to bring my my training, my my eight week curriculum into the school district. But you know what? I didn't have five thousand dollars to purchase the insurance. Mm. <laughs> didn't have it. And so they're not necessarily trying to hear that. They'll take me as a volunteer. Right. Because they, they'll take me as a volunteer. But if Absolutely. we're talking about compensation for the services that offer. So that's where a lot of folk get discouraged unless you're pulling in in grant money. So I know it's, it's good brothers here who are doing things in the community. You got the Nomo Foundation. You got Anton Moore. But it's just not enough. There's there's not enough. But what does this require? This requires sacrifice because these folk that we talk about, they're not millionaires. They 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 millionaires because they could go they could walk the streets of their community and get love, which means more than anything, right? They could they can sit and have a conversation with the with the young boy who didn't go to school that day, and then being honest and open and potentially being encouraged to to go back go to school, mm. which is which is is undervalued. It's an undervalued skill. I sit in and think about, as we were talk, just talking about this school piece, the school to prison pipeline is a real thing. This 17 year old, he has a juvenile record. But it can't be released. So now let's start talking about, well, what grade is he reading on? What grade level is he reading on? It's probably going to be low. Mm. What's his math abilities, his math scores It's probably going to be low. If he hasn't dropped out of school. No, but I think they said he was in high school. Is he in emotional support? Is he in learning support? Because that's typically what they do. Once you once you get behind or you start showing, you start to feel, or if you feel differently than your peers, if you feel emotions a little bit with, with more depth, they're going to say you're incorrigible, that you're angry, and you need to go in a special classroom that, you, that you're in four to five times a day, further stigmatizing you. I'm not trying. I'm not sitting here making excuses. We aren't sitting here making excuses. But if we're going to understand. If we're going to understand this behavior, because this this kid, he getting roofed. He will not see the light of day again. Because they added the hate crime statute on. So what does this look like for him? What does this look like for his peers? Is and and I'm lost in this. A lot of questions today without answers. That's what we. And that's what it is. We ask questions to hopefully be able to ask better questions. So when we are in positions, we may have some type of answers. And this is by no means to to sully on the legacy uh, in the life of of O'Shea Sibley by asking these questions and, and being hyper focused on this 17 year old. No, because these are the these are the questions. These are the conditions that led to O'Shea Sibley's life being worth nothing in the eyes of this kid. That he was willing to like cross the threshold of impulsivity and change the tra- trajectory of his life forever. And I I like how you brought up reading level, right? And not because of the statistics you think I'm going to bring up about prison beds and reading levels. We ain't going to get into that, <laughs> and we can't go down. But because you and I talk about reading a lot, right? And this just hit me that, man, would a reading group with teens with some emotionally captivating stories, you want to 
you want to help a kid find more emotions than anger, give him a story that he can feel. Give him a space to talk about that story amongst other boys. Like, simple things like that, man. Like, reading groups. I, I don't know about you, man. I feel like that could, maybe it's idealistic no. of me, but, but I feel like that could have massive impact at a certain point in a kid's life to really change how he sees the world. And and that's and that's what I'm actually doing in the in the fall because you know I got this this right this 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 bull job ass grant from the city of Philadelphia because we talked about it before they they're not a fan of innovation where I can integrate mental health therapy and weightlifting but they're good for me holding a a boys group centered on mental health but what I'm implementing is it's going to be a hip hop centered curriculum and it's not just going to be listening to the music. It's going to be reading the lyrics of songs because these are stories, right? Mm -hmm. These are stories that a lot of people are, are, are telling. And so a way to engage them, because when you, when you hear something and then you read something, it hits different. No shade to the people who listen to audible books. <laughs> don't say y'all read the books and it, you know, some levity <laughs> here, but don't say you read the books. You listen to the books because reading brings about something else there's a certain confidence that comes with with reading text written text so my plan is to to bring into the curriculum eight weeks to have different songs have them written out and to dissect them to truly understand the thoughts feelings and emotions of the individual in the song and potentially relating to what's happening in their life because yeah, this is where we talk about – go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was going to say, because we need those spaces. We want boys to feel, but we also have to give them spaces to feel in. <laughs> like, yeah. we can't just be like, yeah, yeah, we need you to become more emotionally aware, but we're not going to give you anywhere to do that. <laughs> we're not going to yeah. give you a space where you can drop the guard. Because, listen, man, that is all the work I did at the school, high school I used to work at in West Philly was with boys. And it was with me talking to them about their anger, right? Yeah. And listen, I'm, I try to be, I try to do my homework, right? As a white man walking into a school that is 99.9% .9 black kids, like I need to understand, right? I need to be yeah. ready to frame things in a certain way that is anti-colonial. I can't be pushing the same white supremacist outlook. So when it came to their anger, I was very quick to be like, I understand that you cannot drop your guard in certain scenarios. I understand that the conditions of your life, the block you live on, the people you know, your family system has led you to adopt a coping strategy that keeps you safe. Yeah, survival. But I need, I need you to find spaces where you can drop that guard. And getting this idea across was all I tried to do. We've, we started small, like one more friend, find one friend that you can actually drop your guard with. Find an activity you all can do, like little things, man. Yeah, yeah, but think about it. When we think about the hashtag you good man group, and you've been, you were there since the, since the beginning, it was brothers coming in in their 30s and their 40s and their 50s and their 70s, like still apprehensive. So it's also recognizing that 
the tasks that we're we're asking them to do it's so difficult it's so difficult because there's so many other influences but it's also important that we continue to to emphasize it to emphasize their their worth because then we talk about the value piece you have to be able to see that you're worth it to be able to to have these experiences that's why it's changed behavior is so difficult once individuals become older because you're usually setting your ways that's why the group that i have the group that you have is so important because with the, even with these brothers are bringing some some unhealthy um ways of knowing when it comes to their individual lives and potentially how they they might show up in the community it's still a step it's still a step which is difficult how many times we say we we see that grumpy old head like damn that's just how they are they have no desire to change that starts that starts relatively early because the again this 17 year old He's lived his life a certain way, either whether he had to or situations have forced him to. Getting him to 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 be aware and change. That's and and make healthier choices. That'll be a a, a task. For forever, potentially. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's monumental. What we're, the the work we're engaged in and try to be engaged in on a regular basis. It puts you in a position of tension at most times, <laughs> like like you unlearning the violence of patriarchy is like like you said it's a lifetime endeavor, but I gotta bring it back to the to him being gay one more time, just because men using my own experience right coming out as bi five years ago it was an interesting experience to see how my male friends reacted to that Hmm. it showed me how truly uncomfortable the average cishet man is with queerness still like didn't know how to interact with me at first don't get me wrong. Everybody was very congratulatory. Yeah. But the energy had changed. It had gotten, it had gotten like they didn't know how to relate anymore. Like I was an alien that had dropped out of the sky. And I saw that kind of half-hearted acceptance of queerness happen at the school I was at. Don't get me wrong. There was a nice little group of queer kids there. They they were I will say without a doubt they were my favorite. I will say that I love seeing I love seeing young queer kids get to embrace who they are, man. It is beautiful. It should be protected just like any kid's expression of joy should be protected. Yeah. But at the same time, these kids said some like terrible things about anyone that's in that community at yeah. times. So like the hate is still simmering. It has not been taken off the stove. Yeah. Yeah. And and even and that's where we you know, you sit and think, it's just like, all right, why couldn't you just go about your way? If if you dis dis disapprove of the lifestyle. Keep it moving. Okay. If you have to say something, why not just say something 
and keep it moving. Right? Why it's 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 why continue to levels on levels on levels to where somebody ends up dead. But America loves his violence. Mm. America loves his violence. We love violence in, in everything that we do. I was having a conversation with the same brother brother I was talking about and another brother I was talking about just this, this being the 50th year of anniversary of, of hip hop and Geraldo on, and I, I heard it on the, the Kendrick Lamar song. He said, hip hop has destroyed something. Hip hop has destroyed more black lives than racism in recent years or something like that. And it's one of those things where you can't differentiate between the two. Cause a lot of the content is a result of white supremacy, capitalism and, and so on and so on. But when we talk about just the, the influence of hip hop, it's the way that I dress, the way that I walk, the way that I talk, the way that I engage. To say that that doesn't influence the violence that we see, the harm that we see. There, somebody was talking about it. Was I don't know if it was you. It might have been somebody else I was in conversation with. And we were just talking about just, just the vibrations and rhythm and music. And it was a study done. And they were playing different types of music in different, different spots of the brain hmm. would light up. Under what was it? Was the cat scan in the cat scan, based on the music? If it was jazz, it was a lot more mellow. If it was like rock, if it was like something hard with a, a bass, then like this, this, this other area of the brain would be triggered. So we can't, uh, we can't uh, dismiss just the the influence and the cultural influences of of some unhealthy things that it's been that continues to be passed down right harm is passed down generationally Hmm. the stress the trauma how we respond to it the level of impulsivity the anxiety it's all epigenetic because then you're you're, you, you may wonder why somebody might be triggered one person i don't know if they all participated but i'm sure one person participated a lot more than the other clearly if somebody gets stabbed, because there's a difference between somebody throwing a punch. And again, it's not condoning any of this. There's a difference between somebody throwing a punch and somebody stabbing. Now, some may argue, oh, it's just one person had it, the other person didn't, which is a fair point. But some, but everybody didn't start stabbing. And not, and usually it's not just one person that has a weapon if you're rolling around with a squad. So that makes you again when we talk about just the, the the psychological and emotional aspect component that impacts these types of of behaviors. But it and so I was trying a Nas verse came to my head uh, while you were talking, and it's in Hate Me Now, and is is brothers fear what they don't understand, hate what they can't conquer. Guess it's just an inferior. They say inferior man, the theory of man became a monster. And goes so on and so on. And it's again this idea of fearing what you don't understand. Yeah. Which is at the Exactly. Exactly. And the violence that that is I mean, you bring up a good point talking about America's love of violence, because it's kinda whatever the signals, the messaging in our society is at the time in terms of panic, 
it's that population that deals with violence, right? Yeah. It's the way it always works. During COVID, we saw our Asian population in the States being targeted way more often. And why is that? Because there was so much hate around COVID coming from China that, <laughs> oh, okay, open season on anybody that looks this way. Because yeah. in America, I'm told I can be violent towards you. And right now we're in the bit, midst of like, like gay panic is back. <laughs> it's, it's the trans population that's being targeted the hardest. Like that's who's being used to whistle and blow the signal and sound the alarm that like violence is okay against LGBTQ people again. Yeah. And like, I get it. They attach the hate crime thing. That doesn't like, yes, cool. I guess in a way, I don't know, man, I feel so conflicted about the justice system and it's hard to be an abolitionist in this moment, right? And be like, yes, we need to show that hate crimes are terrible, but is the way we're doing that actually giving anything back to the community that's hated? Probably not. It's just destroying other communities. Like, Literally, it, it gets somebody a longer prison sentence. Yeah. And it's just like, how do we... I guess I'll answer my own question. I I, want to reach everybody, man, but I really want to reach boys, man. Yeah. I really want to reach boys before they get used to using that violent reaction as the main go-to tool in their toolbox. So, so since you brought up and, and this will be the last, the last question, what does restorative justice look like in this situation? Or is that a thing? I get so conflicted on what restorative justice means or looks like or has worth. Like in an ideal world, man, you'd want there to be some kind of communal understanding between this kid that committed the crime and the family of O'Shea, like in an ideal world, there'd be some kind of a coming together. There'd be some type of, there'd be a contextual understanding that we've been doing for this 17 year old for the last hour. There'd be, <laughs> yeah. going, there'd be going through those things. There'd be, there'd be some kind of healing in the difficulty of having that space. It wouldn't bring O'Shea back. It wouldn't. It wouldn't fix that wrong. Yeah. But something like that, man. We need conversations across lines to see that, yo, know, we're all on the same. We're all on the same team, guys. We don't have money. We're on the same team. Yeah. Like, we're all, yeah. We, if you ain't, if you ain't Bezos, man. If you ain't, if you're in the working class, you're killing your own squad. Like, yeah. We need to figure out how to have these difficult conversations across community lines. And part of the, like, I love, I love the detailedness of identity, right? I love how unique we're getting. I hate how inclusive we're getting. We're getting so insulated within mm. our own tiny communities that we don't know how to reach across to the other community anymore. And that kind of work is foundational, I feel like. But as far as like, Sort of justice, man. I don't know. Maybe you got a better answer than that. I just don't. <laughs> I don't even know what that is anymore. So, I I posed that question when I first learned of of what took place with with the late O'Shea Sibley, 
and I didn't get a response. <laughs> I never get responses when it comes to, to things like that. And I, and I understand why. First, I'm not going to blame the people. It's the algorithm, number one. The algorithm the, the algorithm doesn't want to see any type of, of communication on that type level. Um, I, I, I learned that you, had, you can't even post things in your description saying sex or because the algorithm will pick it up. So you have to say S-E-C-T-S. So this is this is what we're up against. But when I said with it, I don't. And this is where people like this, is where I say I'm, I'm abolitionist light, right? like I'm, I'm new to the game. Right. And so I'm still understanding. I don't I don't advocate for for prisons as we know it. I don't advocate for this this legal system as we know it it has to be something else it has to be reimagined there does need to be some type of of accountability that takes place i do believe some type of interaction long term between the sibley family and this young man should be taking place but again it's if the sibley family is open and willing and it's understandable understandable if they aren't because a lot of uh, a lot of of folk in this society believe justice is somebody going away for the rest of their life but i think if you get them for in a vulnerable moment what they always say well it doesn't bring my loved one back mm-hmm. so is it really justice is it more so accountability in this regard but literally having this young man on a weekly basis, on a regular basis, engage with this family to where a point where potentially he becomes a part of this family. Like that's like that's an, an ideal world to where your transgression against another doesn't further divide, but it brings you together. So, yes, O'Shea was lost as a result of, of this 17-year-old. But now here we have this, this, this 17, now 21-year-old in communication with this family for, for four years. 28 for 11 years. When he's 50, when he's 60, hopefully as a result of some type of restorative justice practice, he's able to get out and make amends to the community because there's no making amends here, which is an integral part of, of, of any type of restorative justice, not only to the, to the aggrieved party, but also to the community. Mm -hmm. But that comes with interactions, engagement, but what's going to happen. He's, he's going to be in Rikers. He's going to be in these, these institutions for until his last, he takes his last breath. And that's the thing. We don't need to lose two men in the process. Like, we don't got to lose two. We don't. That's not. Uh, oh, this thing's ending on a somber note. <laughs> it, it is. It is. is you did. You did put it out at the onset. This was going to be like a serious. Let's look at the troubles of society day. And we ended up there, man, because I fully agree with you. Like that. That 17 year old's life. Is worth reclamation yeah it's worth putting back together in a way that 
he too can find peace to this. Like, I get that the Sibley family probably ain't trying to hear that. And yeah, the, like you said, the average person, lock them up. That's what they think. Yeah. But yeah. we ain't the average people. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and what I, I'm just sitting here thinking, because all of what's going to happen is for the 50, the 60, the, the life sentence that he's going to serve, folk who are abolitionists, they're going to come and advocate for his release at some point, because that's what happens. Because they're going to look at it and say, listen, you've been here, you've been, he's been down for 40, 50, 60 years. Is he a threat, still a threat to society? At what point does it go from accountability to just a punitive measure? Hmm. Or just a way to make profit. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> We're going to call it what it is. I mean, <laughs> exactly. But I, I ain't. They spend more on housing inmates than they do on college educations that they could give to the same kids. So, like, I, I, I'm at a loss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, a, a time we could put a pen in it in, until next week. Let the people know how they can how they can get in contact with you. Yeah, you still can find me on Instagram. Being <laughs> absurdity. I'm telling you, one day we're gonna have a pod that opens with me explaining <laughs> why. Just for the word. people and mostly for Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I, I googled it, so I, I think I got okay. some understanding. Yeah, because okay. again, I'm, I, I put it in chat. I, I think I might have used Chat GPT actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> word. So what, you got your event coming up too, right? Yeah, I got a workshop I'm doing next week. It's uh, kink is trauma work. So. Should be interesting. Again, it'll be up on my Instagram. I'll probably post it a couple times between now and next Tuesday. Okay. And as always, you can you can reach me, Phil underscore Roundtree across all across all platforms. If you're listening on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button wherever it is located on your screen. Like, share comments we we take all comments I, I love reading them even the ones they'd be like you don't know what you're talking about cool i'm here for it you know let's let's fight the algorithm together <laughs> right if you're listening on, on whatever streaming platform and you're paying the 14.99 i salute you make sure again you subscribe you like you comment share if you're not paying the 14.99 and you're freeloading still hit the button it's greatly appreciated until next time peace